0: And welcome once again to Cardinal Motion. My name is Ben McKeon. As always, I am your host on this program. Uh, we are a podcast dedicated to covering the fitness and health and outdoors and all that good stuff community in the Triangle area, which includes Raleigh, Durham, Cary, Chapel Hill, Garner, Apex, Pittsburgh, Holly Springs, uh, uh, Clayton, uh, Wake Forest, Roseville, Lewisburg, etc., cetera, et cetera. Uh, There's a lot of little places. Anyways, if you're within a few hundred miles radius of us, you're probably going to be interested in this show. Today's episode is going to be a good one. I'm going to sit down with Rhonda Hampton. She is the race director of the Umstead 100 Mile Run, which is an ultra marathon that uh, perennially once a year runs. That was redundant, wasn't it? That once a year uh, runs in Umstead Park right here in Raleigh. It is, an like I said, an ultra marathon. And when they say 100 miles, they mean it. 100 miles in a row through Emstead Park. Um, Rhonda has some incredible stories about um, this particular race, as well as some really insightful and uh, enlightening thoughts on how she approaches running herself, which I think uh, would be pretty valuable to you, too. I know they were for me. This is a nice, hefty interview, so we're going to jump right in, and this is the interview with Rhonda. Welcome to the show, Rhonda. Thank you so much for coming.
1: You're welcome, Ben, and I'm, it's, I'm glad to be here.
0: Cool, cool. And you came in from Pittsburgh, so thanks for, thanks for making the drive, yeah.
1: You're welcome. i um, I'd on my way home. Oh, perfect,
0: perfect. Um, so I want to give you a chance just to start off to sort of tell us a little overview of what the umstead 100 miler race is and it's history and 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 what people can expect out of it
1: yeah umstead 100 mile run um, started because two guys were training for western states and they were actually they were it was started by two guys who were actually training for um, hard rock 100 which is technically a uh, that you get 42 hours to finish so they were wanting to do a regular 100 mile run usually 100 miles take about 30 hours on unless there's a lot of mountains and so they wanted to practice and so they set up a, a course in umstead park and we're running 100 miles and so while they were doing that the two of them they were like we should have a one here and so the next year they did and so it started growing from there we had our we just in april we had our 23rd running of of the uh, umstead 100 so from there it grew the biggest thing that we're known for is that we're we're really good for first time 100s because we there it's a loop course so you don't get lost it's not sure tr- it's on the bridal path in umstead park so there's not a lot of rocks and roots that you really have to look for and um So we're known for that, but we're also known for a quick course. Although no hundred is easy, it is an easier one because we only have 8,000 foot of climb over the whole entire uh, hundred miles. Now you will get people who say, I thought it was flat. And it's not. If you've ever been in Umstead Park, there's the um, Turkey Creek. It goes up and back. We call it Mm -hmm. the um, sawtooth part. And um, so basically we're an easier one. People, we have people set all kinds of uh, uh, PRs uh, last time I think we had over 42 the year before we had oh, wow. 58 PRs usually we have about a hundred and fifty runners uh, that finish the hundred we also have a 50 mile option which lets people if they don't make it to the hundred but they've made it over 50 we'll give them a finishing time so they can have a qualifier for other races if they don't finish
0: cool cool well yeah it's funny 8,000 total feet of it. So it's 8,000 total feet of, of climbing over the course of the hundred miles. Right.
1: So only 1,000 for each 12 and a half mile loops that we do.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Which, which sounds, uh, uh, it sounds like to me, it sounds like a lot of, of climb. Well, first of all, it sounds like a lot of running
1: well, the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But, uh, but I guess compared to other races, especially out West, which see, you know, Tens of thousands of of feet of climbing over the course yeah. of a of a course this is this is a little bit easier compared yes. to those yeah that's true um so what I want to ask you what um if you're if you're essentially describing this course to a person uh who's never been to umstead park before i mean you said it's it's relatively r- relatively flat. Compared to other races, um, what are some other features of the run um, that make it stand out in your mind?
1: The elevation change, because technically it is easy, but also the um, the crushed gravel—it's um, real. It's pretty fine, and so it's um, it's easier to run. It's easier on your legs than any asphalt or anything. Wooded park, and it, it's in spring. We usually are the first weekend in April, unless Easter falls on that weekend. Um, in 2008 will be april 7th because easter is on april 1st and um so it's um the pollen is probably the worst part Mm. but uh, the beautiful um, budding that's happening before they get rid of all the wisteria we were really known for oh it smells so good yeah (laughs) but um other other things is not getting lost as i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. and um and there's a out and back it's kind of like a um a lollipop course Mm -hmm. and uh, so you get to see the people in front of you and behind you so you're not always alone but there's some parts on um, the turkey creek grayland section where you're alone too so it's not being with two people too much and but you also get to see people if you are more lonely some of our strengths as a race is uh, not so much the course but our volunteers we almost have one volunteer for every runner wow Uh, so we we have two hundred and fifty runners overall, and we may have three hundred volunteers. We have um, pacers that can will go we have volunteer pacers that will actually go with the runners at night they can after fifty miles they can have a pacer and so a lot of people come without anybody to help them, and so we'll give them a pacer and so we're known for that we also because we only have um two aid stations and um and that's all we have to deal with we can actually help feed the families and crew and that's not usually something that other races can do and so people come to us and they're like oh my gosh you, we we can actually eat we're the crew <laughs> and it, and that's that came out because uh Blake Norwood who was the race director and mm-hmm. Tom Noonan who is uh, the first aid station two captain when they would go to races uh, their wives would crew them but They'd be out in the middle of nowhere. They have no food. Um, They were pretty much counted as second-class citizens. And um, they were like, this won't happen at our race. And so we take care of the crew and the family.
0: That is really, really unique. I have a friend, like I said before we started recording, who's an ultra runner. And his, I I don't, frankly, I don't know how they stay married because of this. But his wife is sort of his crew chief when he runs ultras. Um, She has this uncanny ability to, not divorce him after a race. Um, But they, she says, you know, I mean, he, he loves doing it in the way that ultra runners love doing what they do. I think there are moments in the race where he feels, he always feels like maybe I shouldn't have done this. Um, But uh, she, she, she hates her job as a crew member because it's, it's so grueling. It's, it's emotionally and, and just being on top of her game is almost as physically challenging as it is uh, him running. Uh, the fact that it is that the Umstead race is a loop course, does that, does that sort of ease the burden on crews as well? Can they, can, do they need to stay, um, step and step with, with their runner or can they kind of post up in one s- spot and wait for the person to, to come past?
1: Uh, most people s- set up in one spot and wait for them to come past. It's usually with a 12 and a half mile loop, it's anywhere from two and a half to 10 considering how fast somebody is two, three to four hours, however late in the race. But we also have three places where as the runner goes by, we can send text messages. So the crew kind of knows where they're at gotcha. and how they're pacing for all the way through the race.
0: That's really cool. I think that um, in that way, it sounds like it's not only good for a, uh, a beginning ultra runner, but also for a beginning crew as well.
1: We're known for uh, first-time ultras, and um, we have a crew meeting uh, after the race starts, and we'll go through and we'll talk about all the different ways that they can help their, their runner make it. Our whole philosophy is that it takes the, all of us to get the runner through their first 100. And so we try to get the crew and the family all on board with us and if they have issues or they worry about their person as they're going through they can come and ask us questions the one of the things you mentioned was about sometimes your friend didn't know whether he wanted to be out there or not and then sometimes he's probably not very nice and we tell the crews is if they're not the person the loving caring person you know that they usually are because ultra runners are like the nicest people they need food (laughs) you know they need something if they're not who they normally are something's wrong and you need to find out what it is so you ask all these embarrassing questions like when did you pee last what color was it i'm sorry right no no no. (laughs) yeah it's it's relevant there's all these things it's you know um do they have enough jackets that they're taking with them You you have to lead people through if they've never crewed before they they see them going downhill and they don't know what to do or how to stop it and we try to help them to stop it
0: that's that's really cool to have that that resource because as as I've heard from my friend it can be a uh, it can be grueling on both sides no doubt. Um I want to ask a couple more specific questions about the race itself. Um how many how many volunteers does it take to to put this on?
1: We have a staff of about 50 key staff people that we use and this past race I've just been amazed I, we have people who work four or five days. We have people who work 24 hours at a time. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, it takes a takes a large amount of people so that none of us are overburdened too much to make it work. The founders of of the race, which were originally Blake Norwood, Tom Noonan, Charlie Barnes, Jerry Dudek. Uh, we also call Sally Squires one of them because she came in a little bit later but really set... Um, Uh, the aid station where it needed to be Mm -hmm. the aid station one and um Blake's wife Nora uh, excuse me Myra Norwood and um they really got it set so that um all we really have to do we have this great machine that works really well and we change the oil we change the tires we put in the gas and um it runs really well it's so well organized when I took over three years ago that it's um That's why it's phenomenal now. And uh, we really are known as a really great first race, but we're also one of the top-rated races in in the nation.
0: Hey, Cardinal Motion listeners, Ben McKeon here. You've been listening to me talk to Rhonda. A quick message for you, uh, essentially only and simply encouraging you to follow us on social media. You can find us on the various platforms, the big three, if you will, on Twitter, we are at Cardinal motion on Facebook. You can search for Cardinal motion and find us and like us and also follow us on Instagram. Uh, I am a professional photographer by trade. And if you hadn't gleaned that from the many times I refer to it on the show, but anyways, I, I try to bring some of that, uh, expertise to the table when I post Instagram photos, um, I'll be honest, there's not, it's not like I'm posting every single day. But anyways, uh, follow us on there. It's kind of cool to interact with uh, photos and such. Anyways, that's enough of me. Back to the interview with Rhonda Hampton. I'm curious how, how you got into this. Are you an ultra runner yourself?
1: I am an ultra runner.
0: Do you run yeah. the the Umstead
1: 100? I ran it twice, and then after I started uh, being trained to take over, I was told I'm not allowed to run anymore. <laughs>
0: gotcha, gotcha. So, so how does uh, – I'm sure that it's different from person to person, but how, do, how did you get into ultra running in the first place?
1: I have a friend, Sally Squire, who was also the aid station captain, and um, I had been running marathons. I really don't like marathons because you have to do – work too hard for too long uh-huh. and so with the uh, ultra running is like a fast hike for me I'm more uh, back of the pack mm-hmm. and um, so again the, the main thing about ultra runners is all runners are nice but the further they run the nicer they are so ultra runners are ultra nice and the community of people that you meet just pulls you in if you like endurance at all and you like challenging um, I kind of like to know where do I become a baby so that hmm. I can learn ways to not to be a baby? And um, I've had a fairly easy life. And this is one way that I can challenge myself to learn survival skills for when life isn't good. And I, I see ultra running as that. So that's why I kind of enjoy it. I I don't know how, exactly how I got in. I started. I saw, met Sally at this race, a 5K, and we had both run beforehand and we were... So I'm running down 5K, stretching out, striding out to the finish line, and all of a sudden I hear something behind me, and I'm like, who's passing me this close to the finish line? This is kind of silly, because I don't pass people close to the finish line, because they were there first. And that. I sped up a little bit, and then that person sped up a little bit, and then I sped up a little bit more, and then the line came up, and we both reached, and we looked over, and here's these two old ladies looking at each other. <laughs> so we started laughing, and a few weeks later, I was training in uh, at Lake Johnson, and she was there, and I ran one of the lo- loops with her, and she goes, well, just wait till you run your first 50. And I ran the second loop, and she goes, just wait till you finish your first 100, and like, can I do the 50 first? And uh, it kind of took off from there.
0: Gotcha. Well, f- to go from 5k from 3.1 miles to a hundred miles is I'm sure how much time was there in in between there? Because I I doubt that a hundred miles is something that you can just kind of say, all right, next week, I'm going to run a hundred.
1: It's kind of just marathon training with a little bit more. It's all, um, once you can keep 25 miles kind of under your feet that you can do it all the time, it kind of falls in the most important trainings at the beginning and getting used to time on feet and being on your feet a long time, but once you get that in, it's kind of easy to keep there. And um, my base, when I, I kind, of, I work pretty hard on Umstead 100 from January to April, but I try to keep a 20 mile base, so no matter what I'm doing, I could just go out and do 20 miles mm-hmm. and um, without any residual. And um, if you keep that, you can build up to 100 fairly quickly. My real philosophy is: if you can run one mile, you can run two. If you can run two, you can run four. If you can run four, you can run eight. If you can run eight, you can run a half marathon. If you can run a half, you can run a whole. If you can run a whole, you can run fifty. And I know by experience, if you can run fifty, you can run a hundred.
0: That's really that really is 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 pretty inspiring, and you can kind of see how it how it can snowball in a way and 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 how the the momentum can really build behind that um at some point i've i i have never run more than 26.2 miles in my life and i've done that i've done that once and it was difficult it was it was extremely challenging um and rewarding all at the same time is there a point in training for or completing an ultra marathon where it ceases to be about your physical fitness and it turns into being about your mental preparation and fitness
1: at 50 miles really <laughs> but, well I, when i told my umstead 100 was was my first hundred uh-huh. and when i was standing on the line getting ready to start the guy next to me found out it was my first and he goes you're going to run the first 50 with your feet and you'll run the second 50 with your head wow. and he was exactly correct It's um, because once you get your body going, as long as you feed it correctly and take care of it, it just goes and it doesn't ask any questions after that. But having your mind make sure that it keeps moving is the easy part because your mind is what has to deal with. Oh, that's a blister. Oh, that's another blister. And if you can just ignore that, what your mind can do, you know, it it can filter out what it gives you and what it doesn't give you. Then you can keep going because blisters won't kill you. So
0: Right, right. It sounds like honestly, that sounds like a, a skill that's applicable beyond finishing a race. Um the ability to sort of feel discomfort mentally um but not let it throw you off your your goal or your or your or the task at hand. Would you say in I, your experience? I
1: totally agree. My theory is now I'm a little different because I say that I don't do pain mm-hmm. but I'll do discomfort because I can handle discomfort pain is a whole nother issue so discomfort is something i think it's if you can get used to that in life in all life situations it works really well uh, sally squire again says that when you're training for an ultra your whole day is training for an ultra when you get up and you clean your house or you do your gardening or you wash your dogs or you clean you know whatever you're doing it's part of the ultra and if you go from six in the morning to ten o'clock at night that's an ultra day yeah and so your whole life can be ultra training and But ultra training is also a way to help deal with life.
0: I love the, then this is something I've thought about in the past too. I love the, the, the ability to distinguish between pain and discomfort pain. They're both, they're both signals that your mind is sending to your, well, it's, they're both messages that you're receiving based on external input. But pain is sort of a, is sort of a, 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 an alarm, a red alarm, like you need to stop or make a change. Discomfort is, I think the kind of thing that comes about when you are, when you're reaching a place where you're not used to being it's, it's almost a, it's almost a, um, I mean, I think you, and if you'll allow me to get philosophical for a second, but I think you discomfort is the same kind of thing that you get potentially when you travel to a new place where you're not familiar with the the customs and the norms. Um, So you don't know exact, you don't have a prior set of experiences to know how to navigate this new feeling that you're feeling. So, but I think a, a, an incredible skill is recognizing the difference between pain, which you shouldn't try to ignore, and discomfort, which is just sort of the way it feels to be doing something new. Right. Um,
1: or after you've done something a long time.
0: Right, right. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so that's, that's a really cool. I love the. I, I I love the combination, and I think this is true throughout a lot of different physical pursuits. That um, that it it's it's equally a mental game as much as it is a physical game. So
1: I would say it's m- almost all mental game, and one of the average ultra runners forty two.
0: That's interesting.
1: And I. And the other thing with ultra running is male and female age is all equalized. You can have female runners who win races with with mm-hmm. both gender genders. And you can also have um, people who are 40 and 50 win ultra runs as opposed to being 30. And it's because it's more mental. And the older you are, the more experiences you've had that you can deal with the mental things that happen. And th- that's not saying that there's not great young runners, but that you can also, it's equalized. You have to be really great to win the race and it has to be a perfect day and everything has to go right. And, and it, since most of it's mental, if you've had more experience, then it's easier to, to be there when you need it.
0: That's that's really interesting. The, the I think that's probably true also, even if you're training for your first 5K. I mean, the first time you run one mile at without stopping, it's the first time and it's, it's maybe the hardest thing that you've ever done. But once you've done it once, even if physically it still feels similar, at least you have this, this banked in the back of your mind. Like I know I can do this. So it's really, it's really cool that, that it seems like an ultra is a, is a level playing field and it actually favors those who have life experience.
1: Yes, I'd agree.
0: Um, well, that's really cool. Thanks for indulging in that little philosophical detour there for a second. Um, but it, I kind of feel like ultra runners are also philosophers. <laughs> you by spend nature. a
1: lot of time by yourself. You have to do something other than just think. Oh, that hurts, or this doesn't hurt, or why is that hurting? Or, right. You know, it's, it gives you time, and it's really. It, you spend a lot of time by yourself, even though the really long runs. It's nice to have someone there, you know, to help make it easier. But you do spend a lot of time training by yourself because you have to make it fit into your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit about sort of the the mechanics of training, if you will, um, and of for that matter of of, of running an ultra marathon. Um, one thing that I'm particularly interested in is when you run an, when you're training or when you're running an ultra you're burning a lot of calories. Um, what do you, what do you eat? And I, I guess I'll give this to you in a two part question. What does a person eat during training as in, you know, the, the three meals or the five meals or whatever you eat a day. And, and then what do you eat when you're running that 100 mile race? How does your diet look in those cases?
1: For, I think for a lot of ultra runners, you just eat normal food and eat what you want and eat as much as you want or need. Um, The three ultra rules or three rules of ultra running are eat before you're hungry, drink before you're thirsty and walk before you're tired. Hmm. And I think that's good in life too, because you don't really need to do, eat eat all the time, but you do need to eat before you're really hungry or then you're going to eat a lot more than you need to. Um, But yeah. So there was a guy in our race, um, this year that his name's uh, Mike Smith. And last year he ran his hundredth, hundredth at our race. Wow. And then this year he ran his hundred and hundred at our race. And a friend of mine, um, uh, at, at the end, we have to bring back, um, drop bags. Cause we have two aid stations and they can leave food at one and at the other. And, um, so they brought all the drop bags back and this guy, Mike, didn't pick up his drop bag and, uh, in his drop bag, he had apple pies, those turnovers, those fried pies, apple, cherry, and had a whole bunch of those in there. And he finishes races in the, like, sub-24 hours wow. for all of his 112s, depending, the harder ones, of course, would be a little longer. But he doesn't run them easy. He runs them uh, well. And um, so, you know, can eat anything. <laughs> and at our aid stations, we have hot dogs, hamburgers, uh Cherry float, or excuse me, Coke floats, cherry pies, um, spaghetti pizza, uh, depending on the time of day. And then usually at night, more people eat the soups and all, but it's all just regular food and normal food. And so if you train on normal food during the year and eating, then you can eat almost anything from aid stations.
0: That makes sense. It it seems like that's the kind of thing that also requires some practice and refining uh, so that you're not... Introducing something potentially hazardous <laughs> during a race
1: the rule is don 't change anything, but mm. almost everybody changes something and it it 's really funny but um it it can be dangerous to eat things that you 're not used to eating
0: right and, in in your experience i again because i 've never run an ultra this is this is interesting to me do you when you 're running the race, do you feel the same sort of hunger that you feel at you know one in the afternoon after you've worked all morning? Or is it, or is it more sort of this like biofeedback that you're getting in, in terms of your performance and, and such?
1: I don't know. Um,
0: I, guess I, should, I guess I should go find out for myself.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because sometimes I'm hungry and sometimes I'm not. And sometimes I need to eat little bits and sometimes I don't. It just kind of depends on the, the terrain or the day. If it's colder or if it's hotter you know it's just Mm -hmm. paying attention to your body and understanding having done it enough to know what it needs when it when you have certain feelings and when you need to eat certain things Um, sometimes like if your hands swell up but you think you've done really well with your electrolytes and you have to start saying well maybe i need to do this or that and try to figure out why it's doing it and why it's not doing it so there's some problem solving as you go Um, some days are perfect and you can eat whatever you want or you don't even have to think about eating it just all happens and Mm -hmm. it's all there but um, usually you you know when you get hungry but again the rule is eat before you're hungry so I try to eat um, every half hour I'll eat a little bit at every aid station eat a little bit you don't want to eat a whole hamburger maybe eat a quarter or a half and um, depending so you you learn what you need and the longer you you show your body what you want it to do it will also tell you what it needs to do that and um i can't i always tell people they'll say well what do you need to do for this training or that training i says listen to your body Mm -hmm. it will tell you what it needs and um not everybody a a lot of people start thinking well i've heard somebody say this or that and it's like well see if it works for your body but it might not work for your body you really have to listen and to do that
0: and yeah and again i think that's probably a skill that that comes in handy even when you're not running a running a race being that being able to be mindful and and, yeah. and present in your own in your own physical existence um let me see here uh so ultra running is it seems like it's it's come from being this really really off the wall esoteric pursuit to it's fairly popular um, in this country at least, and I'm sure uh, across the world. Have you seen the the, the sort of the, the evolution of this sport and the popularity increase over the time that you've been participating in it?
1: Yes. I ran my um, first ultra in 2004. It was JFK. And, and then it, it was a group of people. You would go to a race and it's basically just your person, your one crew would be with you. Um, once in a while, you'd bring special food or something, but uh, usually not. And everybody was similar, and but everybody liked doing it. Even after the first, they it was something that was very personal and that they wanted to do. And I've seen it go to now more bucket list kind of stuff, and everybody said, well, I've done this, so I'll do that. But you can tell the difference between the bucket listers and the ultra runners because bucket listers won't stay long. Right. Because it isn't, it isn't easy. Finishing a hundred does hurt, mm-hmm. and afterwards it does hurt. It's not super easy. It's something that you have to really want to be able to do it. And um, everybody, I believe, everybody can do it if they choose that they want to, but not everybody wants to, especially after they get a feel for it—a bad feel. <laughs> right, right.
0: Um, so uh, I want to uh, ask you because you um, you see uh, a pretty high number of beginning uh, beginner ultra runners, what is it like for you as an organizer to be there when someone finishes their first ultra race? I mean, that has to be a pretty cool thing to witness.
1: It's really cool to witness, especially because you know what they're experiencing and what they are experiencing is the fact that they just realize that they can do anything that they choose to do. And from the planning and the journey from the first time they decide, hey, I want to do this through walking across that line or running. Most people run even at the end of the 100. They'll run across that line. And it's just like, I did this. And then from then on, no matter what they run into in life, they can do this because they know that all it takes is the next step. You just have to do it one more time. And they can and they know they can. And it's just incredible to watch the power that they grab when they do that. And if you get to see them a week down the road or two weeks down the road when it really settles on them, it's really neat to watch.
0: Do you have any uh, recollection of anyone in particular where you who had a pretty cool story that they brought to the table and and whether it was overcoming, you know, obstacles or or really seeing them prove to themselves that they can do something they, they absolutely thought they couldn't do?
1: Almost everybody <laughs> yeah' I mean it's a long way to go and, it, and and even though you know somebody else can do it, it takes a lot to believe that you can do it. Um, I had a friend whose husband had run four, and she had crewed him on all of those, and she um dirty names
0: sure if you if uh, you feel comfortable Linda yeah. banks mm-hmm. and
1: um she she calls herself that um she's just the woman who looks like 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 the woman behind you and the Grocery store line. And she goes, you know, how can how can I do something like that? I said, well, do you want to do something like that? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, if you want to, then you can. And she started training, having just done marathons and started working. And she's done 200 milers since then. Wow. And she's written a book about, about um, what it, she felt and took to do that. And then we had our, uh, one of the first time, Uh, runners this time uh, she wrote her her um, race report her her name's uh, Keisha Keisha Mm -hmm. she um, she wrote that these two ladies approached her at Umstead and saw saw her running said hey are you an ultra runner and she said (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> and then she goes but then it got me on a path and she's like could I be an ultra runner would I fit in and her race report was um Umstead 100 I fit and she wow. found out on April 2nd this year that she did fit and she had run she did run 100 miles and she was able to do all of this and but she didn't know she could until someone suggested to her that she could and uh so there's a lot of stories. There are so many stories that mm-hmm. are like that, that people just didn't know that they could do something in it. All you have to do is decide you want to.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's really empowering to, to hear about. Um, uh, I, I also I want to ask you if you don't mind sharing how it felt for you when you finished um, the first 100-mile race that you ran
1: exactly how i told you it really? i you cross that line i mean as you're going through it it's like oh man one more step one more step up. i had terrible blisters at 75 miles and i picked up a a, a pacer and he was helping me and uh, I, I knew i had blisters he knew i had blisters and he um so, as we were going, all of a sudden I had a new blister, and I was like, Oh, I had this new blister. And I didn't, I kept having, not liking this guy too much because he was telling me, I'll do this, do that. And I was like, Yeah. So, so, this is for the first um, lap after 75. And um, I kept saying, Oh, the new blister, the new blister, the new blister. And all of a sudden he goes, Rhonda, that blister's not new anymore. <laughs> and it kind of broke the broke everything for me. And we started going and we made it to. The last lap and i said alex would you go with me one more time because i don't want to break anybody else in and so he finished with me and um but before we got to the finish line he said you go on and i started going up and um and just climbing all the way up there is like wow i did this but it was the next day hmm. that you could say i can do anything and then two weeks later my friend had a, um, a dump load a dump truck load of mulch thrown onto her driveway and it went up to the second story on her house wow. and she's like how are we going to get this into the dog pen where I want it and I said one shovel load at a time and I knew I can do anything I could do anything after that one t- one foot one shovel one thought one anything at a time and just go that next step you don't fall take that next step and you just keep going and that's what I truly think most everybody feels the first time they cross that line it's exciting. And the thing with Alex, he had never gone over a half marathon and he did a, and he did 25 miles with me the first time. And wow. it's uh, so that pacers are important mm-hmm. and, uh, and everybody in, as part of an ultra can do something they hadn't done before. It's kind of cool.
0: That is, that is very cool. Um, you, you mentioned like two weeks after, how long does it take to fully recover from a hundred mile race?
1: It depends on who you are. I have a, uh, one friend, um, who does um, can do back to back hundreds one weekend the next? He's done 10 at wow. Umstead. He's done 10. His name's Benny Swenson. He's done 10 at um, Massanutten, 10 at um, Heartland, and 10 at um, Arkansas Traveler. And those are back to back weekends. And That's so incredible. it it just depends. For me, it takes about five weeks to start feeling about normal.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. That's uh yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's another instance where listening to your body is, is important. Yeah. Um, and
1: Vinny has like 90 hundreds <laughs> or more. That has. is, what is that? <laughs>
0: 90, 9,000 miles. Wor- no, 9, 9 9,000 miles worth of, of, ra- anyways. Yeah. I'm, I'm a podcaster, not a, <laughs> not a math person. Sorry. It's um, just
1: crazy as far as I'm concerned. It's a
0: lot of miles. It's, it's a yeah. lot of miles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the, there's such a thing as I understand is the North Carolina ultra running association. Yes. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: It's technically our board for the Umstead 100. Gotcha. And so it's a limited association and that board members and the one race that we put off is the Umstead 100. Gotcha. It's, um, it was founded more so that, so that we could incorporate, we are a nonprofit the mission statement for right. us is to build the ultra community, one for a place where people can make the jump from 50 miles to 100 miles, but also to build the local ultra running community, which is what Blake and, and the other founders did, is that we have one of the most caring and, and very large ultra running communities here in, uh, in North Carolina.
0: Hey, listeners, it's Ben McKeon here with one more message for you. Uh, This time, I want to encourage you to check out our archive of episodes. If you haven't done so already, Uh, we've got a treasure trove of really cool content. If you're subscribed to us on your favorite uh, podcast app, it's pretty easy. Just scroll on back through the archive and find some episodes you like. Uh, Listen to all of them if you feel so inclined. Um, If you're not subscribed to us, first of all, I suggest you do it. You can do it by downloading um, any number of podcast subscribing applications uh, on your phone. Uh, If you have an iPhone, there's already an app on your phone called Podcasts where it's easy to search for us and just search Cardinal Motion in the search place. And when you see us, hit subscribe and all of a sudden you'll get new content anytime it's ready. And you'll also to be able to access the archives. Uh, a few highlights, some of my favorite episodes in the archives. Um, there are a couple where I sit down with uh, nutrition and exercise expert in the area, uh, Chris Newport of the Endurance Edge. Um, and we talk about nutrition. We talk about sweat. She's an expert in sweat. And we also, there's an episode back towards the beginning uh, where we discuss uh uh, exercise or a particularly running and beer, uh, on that same episode, we talk with Brent Francis, uh, who we talked with last episode also about running and beer. That's a fun one. Another one of my favorites is episode four, um, where we talk about, uh, fitness and relationships. And we interview several, uh, local real life couples about their experience, uh, with fitness and relationships, and how it works, how it doesn 't how people who are interested in fitness or for that matter how there's uh, how in a relationship where one person is really interested in fitness and the other one might not be, how they work together it 's not only is it insightful and enlightening when it comes to um, exercise and fitness it 's also really, really fascinating and enlightening when it comes to relationships. So those are a couple of highlights that I would recommend you checking out. Again, just go through the archive if you need to, you can visit us on the web at cardinalmotion.com. There's also a playlist and a link to our SoundCloud page. And if you go to SoundCloud, you can search for Cardinal Motion. There's all the tracks are there and going back all the way. Anyways, check out the archive. And if you like a particular episode, we would love for you to share it with your friends. Okay, back to the interview with Rhonda Hampton uh, One thing that I notice about ultra marathoners ultra runners is that physically they actually don't l- look quite the same as as a as an elite marathoner an elite marathoner has a really specific body type and it's and it's the body type that not everybody can achieve just purely based on their genetics it seems to me that ultra runners um are a a little less um how do you how do you put it tiny yeah yeah (laughs) is there is there a reason for that i know you mentioned that for you it's sort of like a, a fast hike does does it feel like you're um, still rather well-rounded as, as, uh, uh, physically speaking when you're, when you're running ultras?
1: Well, it, you need a lot of strength and mm-hmm. if you're a little tiny, it's harder to do that. Um, so the smaller you are, the less you have to go over the hundred miles. And I actually think that the smaller you are, the longer it takes to recover body wise because it takes a lot of your body weight. Um there's a lot of larger men uh, Mm -hmm. that run and they run well because they have the muscle to mass to carry. And then we had, there's more that your body carries that you can actually use as you're running to keep going endurance wise. Uh, This, I think the slower pace helps it so that you can, uh, you go at a pace that you can maintain for longer periods. And I think carrying more weight and a little bit bigger body size makes that possible.
0: That makes sense. You you have more fuel to work with. Right. And, yeah. uh,
1: it, and then I guess you have less of the um, quick muscles, too, because I would think if you can run 25 miles in two and a half hours, it's, it's different. The one thing, we lose a lot of volunteers to become ultra runners because when they get out there, they see that everybody looks like them. <laughs> you know, the, an ultra runner looks like an average person, the right. same as I was talking about my friend saying I look like the woman behind you in the grocery store. Right, And so we don't look like marathoners, fast marathoners. Right. But uh, the winner of our race this year, um, Olivier LeBlanc, finished in 14.05. And
0: That's pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: our record is 13.11 by Mike Morton. He was forty. 42 44 somewhere in there when he did that wow and
0: uh how what does that work out to as far as a like a mile eight something
1: pace? mile but
0: that is a that is a lot of eight <laughs> minute miles to put together in a row that's pretty incredible yeah.
1: fast people will say well eight minutes aren't very fast and mike says we'll do it for a hundred miles <laughs> and, uh, right and that includes going to the bathroom eating right. changing if you need to Right. Not that he needed to do any too too much of that at thirteen hours, but
0: that's that's uh, that's uh, astounding. It it truly is. Um, so, if you were speaking, I, I love this idea of if you can run one mile, you can run two, and if you can run two, you can run four, etc. If you're talking to someone who is interested in trying to achieve this goal of running an ultra, um, but who isn't, who hasn't ever done one before. And, and maybe, maybe it's someone who isn't, you know, running five marathons a year either. How do you get started?
1: Start running. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, start. I, I like to run happy. And if you're happy doing it, you're going to do it more. And the more you do it, the better you're going, the more you're going to want to do it. So I, I run happy. Some people run for goals But I like to run happy, and I encourage people to run happy. And Sally Squire started – she's the one that I mentioned that has run hundreds also at Umstead. Um, She's 74 years old. She ran in this race, was headed for her fourth Umstead. Um, She only made 50 miles this time because the heat got her. But um, she started with making loops around her house. And the first – her husband actually came home, and he goes – has there been an animal running around our house? (laughs) There's like this trail. She didn't want anybody to know that she was running. She started at 49. Wow. And um, so she started with a mile and she ran a a mile in a race and she swore she would never run again because it was just too hard. And um, so, you know, just start and be happy where you're at. If you don't want to go more than three miles, don't. You know, you just have to see. I didn't like 25, but I really like 50
0: that's really you know, interesting. To so
1: find the place where it fits you. Not everybody can wants to run 50 or can do it easily. Um but 5K's, hey, you can stay super healthy with 5K's and it's stress release. I mean, just go and move.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it it seems to me that uh, even 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 at well, I know that when I really started trying to get in shape in my early 20s, um the most difficult thing to do was the first thing that I did, which was get out and, and start. Um, and even when, you know, even when I've been, when I've fallen off the wagon, so to speak for a a few weeks or a few months, it's always that first few steps that feels like, Oh, this is going to be hard. But, it goes away after a while. Um, I love the idea of, of, of running happy also. Um, Is that, I'm curious what that, what that looks like for you. Is that, is that sort of just a a presence of mind that you bring to it when you're, when you're running or do you, do you listen to music or are you running with someone that you enjoy running with? What does it look like to you?
1: I like trail running and uh, I went to URI this weekend and I just, it's like, wow, this is so great to be here. And, um, it can be with other people. I don't listen to music because you miss a lot of the natural music that's out there. And then also if you have something pumping into your head, you can't be in your head when you need to. I find it as really great problem solving. Um, just being able to handle silence, you know, for a while and to be out there and, um, Though it's not usually silence, you get to hear the peepers, the spring peeps. You get to hear all of the animals um, in the middle of Uwari, um hundred mile race this uh, past October. I heard, Aah! and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what? Well, something's dying!" And so you run faster, you know. If I hadn't heard that, if I'd had music on, yeah. not that that was great, but it was like, <laughs> "Oh, I've never heard anything like that." Go, <laughs> get out of here! Yeah.
0: So, it's amazing what there. you what you do see and hear uh, that you don't normally see in here when you yeah. just get out, you know, a mile or two away from, away from your house. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm also a a big fan of, of trail running. Um, and the number of, of deer that I see on the trail is it's, it's pretty amazing. It's almost to a point where I see a deer and I'm like, Oh, okay, there's, there's another deer. <laughs> Hopefully he runs the other direction, but you don't, you know, if I were just to stand outside and in, in the driveway, mm-hmm those are not things that i get to see no yeah
1: i look for um, biological gifts when i'm running and it can um it can be anything from a deer to a salamander or lizard Um, one time i i came up on a wood turtle in in umstead park and i stopped and if i squat squatted down he would move if i stood up he would stop so we played move don't move for a while you know just finding things out there that are you wouldn't find anywhere else, you know, and, and you can usually find that on trails. But even running in the city, you can find all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just if you're listening to something, you're not as mindful about what's around you. Right. And that's why. And it's not technically safe to run with earphones if you're around cars and such.
0: True. Very true. Um, yeah, that's really that's really what did you you said? Biological gifts. Biological gifts. That's a really cool way to put it. Yeah, I always when I'm running, I, I often think of uh again to get philosophical here i often think of how amazing it is that there are so many things alive around you and there there's something about the physiological aspect of of more blood pumping through your body and into your brain and 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 it sort of awakens you um in a way that you don't get when you're just sort of sitting still yep. um that at least for me uh opens my eyes to the fact that there there's a lot of life around you and being in that, in that moment, in that physical place of, of sort of being at your, your, your physical, uh, pinnacle, uh, and your most efficient, uh, physiologically, uh, it really puts you in the middle of that life that's around you. It's, it's, it is a pretty cool feeling. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I think that th- this is this is really fascinating. And you actually you mentioned a couple of names, um, particularly a, a, a woman I believe that you wrote a uh, that she wrote a a book about her experience.
1: Yes, Linda Banks.
0: Do you know the name of that book by any chance?
1: I do not remember the name. She does have a business called um, Run Inspired.
0: Gotcha. I might have to look her up just to Linda uh, Banks. Wonderful. I'm writing that down. Um, and once again, before we uh, let you go, uh, remind us what the URL, the the website for the uh, race is so people can go and check it out.
1: Umstead100.org. Cool. How do
0: you, how if you want to run the race, how do you sign up? Can you sign up on the website?
1: We have, um, we usually fill up in about five seconds <laughs> <laughs> online. Gotcha. So we have several ways to get in. We have two, we can have 250 spaces. Um, so what we do is we know we have figured out about how many drops will happen between registration. So we, we take a more than that. So we start off with 250 online. So you go through the computer and it's like first hit the button, you get a spot. Um, sometimes people are trying on different computers. So it takes a little bit more than one uh, rep, um, rotation through. And then if there's anything left, we'll do it until all 250 spots are gone. Then we have a 55 hard copy lottery that for two weeks after registration, which uh, this coming year will be September 9th, uh, 2017 for our 2018 race. Uh, And then you fill in a hard copy, send in your entry fee, and then two weeks after the 9th, we pull out, or actually we do a um, uh, unassigned number, it's a random number generator, Mm -hmm. and 55 people get in that way if people have run our race more than five times they get out their own 10 spots and if there's more than 10 we do a small lottery for that volunteers i do have three spots that we do for people who want guaranteed entry they have to do cleanup the previous year and um then competitive we have 10 spots for that gotcha so it- lots of ways to get in but it it's they go pretty quickly.
0: Gotcha. Well, that sounds like the good news for, for you. Um, is this the kind of race I should have asked this at the beginning, but is this the kind of race that you can come and and witness that you can watch if you just want to be a spectator?
1: Yes. And, uh, one of my favorite stories is, um, there's a runner who, um, comes out every Saturday and he runs around the, and does his half marathon kind of training. And he's out there when they start at six o'clock. in the morning on saturday morning and he'll come out for his run and he'll see them and then he comes out the next day and he still sees the same people going <laughs> in circles and he's like so when i first saw them i went home i took a shower i took my son to the to the movies i had supper i read a bedtime story to my son we got up in the morning and i came back so he had done all these things while all these people were still out there <laughs> running because we do have a 30 mile or 30 hour time limit gotcha
0: And it's, that, uh, that's amazing um Cool. Well, we will definitely keep this on our radar and, um, we really appreciate you taking the time on your way home to, uh, to spend a few minutes with us. Um, thanks so much. I hope it's not the last time that we have a conversation.
1: You're welcome, Ben. And thanks. Um, I love talking ultra running, so this is great.
0: We'll do it again sometime. Thank you. you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rhonda and that your next run or foray into the outdoors brings you, uh, a number of biological gifts that you can savor and, uh, and enjoy. Join us again in two weeks. That is not next Monday, but the following Monday. And as I say it, I'm pulling up the calendar. It'll be July 10th. And on July 10th, another really cool interview. We're going to sit down with Chanel Miller, uh, co-owner and a coach at Raleigh CrossFit. Uh, Chanel has a really cool story about how she got into CrossFit and some uh, interesting insight into CrossFit itself. And she is a fixture of the CrossFit community here in Raleigh. So that episode will come out in two weeks, Monday, July 10th. Keep an eye out. In the meantime, a best of luck to you in this hot, hot summer weather. Uh, Follow us on the social media platforms, as I mentioned before, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on all of those. Let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, it's Ben McKeon saying, have a great two weeks. Bye-bye.